are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So I have a fun one for you this week. I sat down with Amanda Thebe, author of Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause, and You Can Too. This is not my first conversation with Amanda, of course. I sat down with her in the fall of 2020, shortly after I started this show and she published that book. I don't think either of us knew at the time how much the menopause space was going to explode in a very short period of time, but it really has. So I wanted to have her back post-menopocalypse, if you will, and catch up, see how she's doing, and chat about what we've both learned and where we think all this is going. And a little peek behind the curtain here, I had my usual list of orderly questions in front of me when I pushed record on this conversation But Amanda and I have become friends here over the years, and we sort of rush out of the gate at 90 miles per hour, as friends often do when they start talking about stuff they're passionate about, and the show list kind of went out the window. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I think that we're both really passionate about that that came through in the beginning, especially this conversation, is the current messaging around menopause and menopausal hormone therapy, or HRT as it's called in some places. Back in 2020, we were both on a mission to make sure that women understood that hormone therapy had been wrongly demonized by the Women's Health Initiative study and that it was largely safe and underutilized and something that really women, when they hit the menopause transition, should be offered And it's ridiculous to suffer needlessly. You know, that message was really important. And in 2020, that was sort of part of our mission. And since that time, the conversation has really, really evolved in many great, great, great ways, but also in some ways that are concerning. You know, the conversation in some places has has evolved to a place where menopause is being viewed as this deficiency disorder. And there's a conversation that every woman should be on hormone therapy. And while there's no question that it is an amazing tool and a very important therapy, it's not for everyone. And we still have a lot to learn about how it does and how it maybe does not prevent some chronic diseases. And the first part of this conversation is definitely us um, reacting to some of the whiplash we feel, as well as our frustration over the predatory marketing to menopausal women that is happening now, which is only going to accelerate. Otherwise, I think what I enjoyed most here was hearing about Amanda's newest initiatives, including her work regarding menopause in the workforce. I've been a little nervous about that conversation, if I'm honest, because I don't want the powers that be to have yet another reason to discriminate against women. But I really loved Amanda's approach as she explains it. So I hope you enjoy this whole one as much as I did. All right. Before we get to it, as always, check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Feisty Menopause. Sign up for my free weekly blog at feistymenopause.com. While you're there, 
check out our Level Up Menopause membership, where we meet with experts three or four times a month in person, well, sort of on Zoom. And thanks so much for the continued great reviews and five-star ratings. They really help me continue to get great guests and to grow this show. And we have really great aspirations for it, I'll say, going into its third year coming up, which is which is ridiculous. All right. Super quick thanks to Prevenex for their continued support of the show. I got another amazing review for the Joint Health Plus product, which has been a savior for me. Sandra gives her three-week review of using it. And she says, I've been using the Joint Health Plus capsules. And as a menopausal active woman with joint pain, I have seen positive progress in pain, inflammation, and mobility issues of my knees, most notably. This has motivated me to be more active and push my strengthening and mobility exercises more. Love to hear it, Sandra. I'm with you. Thanks, Prevenex, for your continued support and all you do to keep us healthy and mobile. All right, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branch chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice-cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. All right, Amanda, welcome back. I can't believe it's been three. Look, is it three years since your book came out in October 2020? Right. Um, I started this show in September 
2020. So it's not quite three years, but we we're going to blink and it's going to be three years. Almost damn it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, we've been we've been connected for that long. And I, and you might go to, you know, I love you. <laughs> yeah, I love you, too. I love you. And, and it's you're you're, um, you know, sort of an island of of uh, stability and sanity and what is an increasingly turbulent <laughs> sea of oh my god i you know i it's, to give people um to give people some reference you know when when we started this it seems like it's not possible but people really weren't talking about menopause that much you know like it it was just sort of entering you know starting to break down that wall and now I feel like it's it's everywhere and that's positive and and negative, right? It's exactly that, right? Yeah. So I mean, for when I when I wrote the book, I hadn't even heard of the word menopause. And now we're going back 10 years, like when I went into perimenopause, like I was 42. And then like the book came out three years ago and I started having the conversation like you with this community and stuff. And um, and then, like now, I feel like we've got events. We, you know, we've got um, summits. We've got, you know, and it's so great. We've got podcasts that are specifically for menopause. And I do believe that there's more good than bad out there. There's always bad players, though, because it's an easy target for a lot of people. And and when, if you think about our knowledge base, Celine, like we've sort of went into this from a health and wellness like career. And then we're we're like learning about about this all the time, but we're learning about menopause and our physiology from a from an educated standpoint in that in that field. And so you've got women like on the ground that are going, but so and so said that like I have this gluten intolerance now because of estrogen, and I'm like, oh my god, like just stop making shit up for the sake of it, right? And then and and but the the women on the ground are the ones that are like. But what do we believe, right? And I feel so bad for them because this, like, they're desperate, they're vulnerable, and they want help, right? And often the stuff that we say is a bit boring. <laughs> and know, like, I'm, you know, I'm of two, I'm of two minds of of this too because because the medical system has done a giant disservice to us for so long, right? You know, like we, us being menopausal women, women, <laughs> black women, let's just like the whole, the yeah. whole umbrella. So uh, an amount of distrust of that institution is not, is not unwarranted, you know, and I, and I understand that when you have been ignored and, and when people have told you one thing, I mean, look at the whole women's health initiative study that we we started talking about three years ago that was like that put a wet blanket on research on hormone therapy for literally decades um you know we find ourselves in this place where women want answers they're frustrated they've not been heard that you know medical schools haven't taught it and now we're just trying to like lasso everybody and catch them up to us and we want correct answers now and we might you know, when I look at it, Amanda, I think we might never have some answers. You know, there's so many forms and formulations of menopause hormone therapy. There's so much, there's so many different women's and so many different genetic variations. Like these answers are not going to be easy or forthcoming anytime soon with randomized clinical trials. That's just not going to happen. So first of all, I say lasso. 
I don't know if anyone cares, but when people say lasso, it's just like that's such an, and it's only it's only because of the TV show Ted Lasso that I was like, oh yeah, I lived in Texas too, and I did a lasso a lasso, but I didn't know that's how you said it. So there you go. It's like boy and buoy. You know when you swim with a, a swimming yeah. boy, we call it a boy. I'm pretty sure we we invented the language, so you can't really argue with me. But going, but going back to what you said, you know what, what? I agree completely, and I think it's absolutely completely fine to say we don't know, and and I don't think that that was an answer I was satisfied with when I started talking about menopause, you know, seven or eight year ago, and I wanted answers, and I hated it when doctors would say, "Well, I don't know, we don't know exactly," and I think that it's actually fine to to have the I don't know conversations or or acknowledge the fact that where research is slowly developing and slowly happening and some are going to have different outcomes like the HRT dementia statement that just came out recently it was really interesting to see people's reaction to that this is just an example people like saying oh this is terrible that people said that because it was using old old forms of HRT, the oral HRT, and it was observational. And, you know, you can't scare women into thinking HRT gives them dementia. And all of those things can be true. Um, and actually, it's not old because some people still use that medication because that's all they can get. So let's just stop saying that. But the thing is, it can be true based on the study that they did. Um, and, and at the other side, they use their argument that, well, there was another study that showed that HRT benefited um, Alzheimer's and it reduced the risk of it by whatever percent and I went yeah but that was an observational study too and that was based on a certain criteria of women that had money had insurance in the US were already fit and healthy no pre-existing comorbidities and so their chances of them getting Alzheimer's were already reduced because of their lifestyle and their income level blah 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 and so I just am like it's okay for these things to exist because what happens is eventually all gets put together and we have this metadata that we can say at the moment it's null there's a null effect as it stands and it's okay to say that but I don't think that that's that sells that's a good conversation I don't think a lot of women like that conversation I think a lot of the doctors out there that literally use their platform to make money on selling hormone therapy use it the studies disingenuously and it drives me a bit nuts anyway rant on <laughs> well no but it, it's true and and especially when you look at brain health which you know there there are reasons that the alzheimer's association and those bodies are still like we are not recommending this prophylactically for you know because like the, the research is too all over the place and when you go into some of like even the more uh, granular research that's being done on like brain scans and checking, you know, volume of the brain and stuff. There was a really interesting study showing, you know, in women who had the APOE for, you know, genetic yeah. predisposition, they had some increases in brain volume and like it did seem to benefit them in those ways, but only those women, you know, the women who didn't have the APOE for it wasn't detrimental necessarily but if you read yeah. through the whole study and i did part of their brain um the women who didn't have that genetic position got smaller like right so like it's very complicated and there yeah there's a reason that the studies are all over the map because it doesn't work the same way for everyone and this is all a long way of saying um that we are again probably not going to know but also don't just 
there is no one like magic wand for everybody that and it's being sold that way. You know, we're talking specifically about hormone therapy. In many ways, I see it in my community. People are like, I, you know, I'm going to take it because it benefits my brain and it benefits my heart and it benefits. I'm like, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. We don't as well. Right. Yeah. And and so you're taking I... it because you you have symptoms because they're connecting symptoms. I didn't mean to step on you, but like if the if, the, if you. If you have severe symptoms, we know severe symptoms are sort of linked to a lot of these things. We don't yet know if taking care of that is going to prevent those things, but it makes sense to take care of your symptoms, right? Like, I think that's clear. Yeah, and I think that you and I have both um, been very good proponents of hormone therapy for symptom management because we don't want women to suffer. And for those, for the most part, most women that take it really do well on it, right? And there's still a... A lot of women don't take it like it's an underutilized um, treatment yeah. for symptoms as, as it stands. Um, and I think that when we talk about it, we should be elevating the, the knowledge base. Because to me, this is the whole thing. There's this knowledge gap with women, with medical, like within our communities. There's just knowledge gaps that we need to fill. And so, yes, try hormone therapy if you're a candidate. Don't take it if you can't. Stop taking it if it makes you feel shit. I mean, you know, that's my stance because... It did. It was it was wretched for me. And and I think that it's like it's a drug. And I think we need to stop saying it's a natural thing to treat symptoms. It's a drug. It's made in a lab. You're not rubbing half a yam on your leg and <laughs> getting the benefits of that, right? So so I think that you've got to respect drugs, in my opinion. And it's they're not going to be for everyone. But for those women that can take it, take it with full full knowledge of what we know right now. That's it, right? Yeah, we, you know, we touched on your your experience, you know, now almost three years ago, and I think that's worth revisiting. Um, talk about a little bit about that. Like you, you know, you were in the throes of it. You had a very difficult transition, hence the book, The Menapocalypse, right? I mean, there's a reason that you wrote it. Um, what was, what what led you to hormone therapy and what was your experience with it? Yeah, so like I took, I had a, two years floundering with symptoms that I didn't recognize and I think my story is very similar to a lot of women so from the age of 42 to 44 I struggled then eventually saw gynecologist and in the medical system in Canada by the way at the time it's not so great at the moment but um was so helpful they were desperate they could I don't wear sickness well Celine I look terrible I'm one of them people and um they they kept saying you look so bad you look so sick but we don't know what's wrong with you. And it was really demoralizing. So ultimately it was migraines with aura. I never had the headache, but the aura with vertigo and nausea and then depression. And I didn't, I'd never experienced these before. They were my main symptoms. And when I eventually found out what they were from a including gynecologist, I was 44 and eight years ago. And he turned around and said, well, I can give you, I can help you hormone therapy. I can give you it. And I went, ah, ah, I don't think so. I don't think I want cancer. Thank you very much. No. <laughs> and then he said, well, then I can give you an antidepressant, uh, venaflexin that can help affect, I think it's called. And, mm-hmm. um, but it can help with the depression and the migraines. And it did until other symptoms came along. Right. And so it was when the other symptoms came along that I thought, you know, now I feel like I've filled my knowledge gap. I feel very confident that home and therapy is safe and that I feel good about taking it. And by this time, I built an army of doctors. You know, like we both, if we have all of these great experts we can tap into. 
And then it just was then about a four-year period of me trying hormone therapy, trying it for like uh, two or three weeks and then getting feeling great until I didn't. And then the drop was always much lower than where I started. And and it, I was like, oh, it's the combination. So I'd try it for like maybe three or four months in total. So I had another, say, two or three months of feeling way worse than I did before I went to the doctors. And I'd come off it and I'd feel, oh, I don't feel as bad again now. But my symptoms were always there and I was never the person I was meant to be. You know, we've said this before, Celine, like I would look in the mirror and go, I can't, I can't live with this person. Like, I don't recognize you. You don't have the energy or the oomph or anything. Like, when I was doing everything I could to feel better, like, I was so good with my lifestyle and I was really trying my best with all of the stuff. And the hormone therapy, I just kept thinking, oh, it's the wrong formulation. So they would increase it or they would change the formulation. And every time I had two or three weeks of feeling great and then these massive slumps to the point where one point I started to have like suicidal ideation. And I think that was from the progesterone. I was on at 400 milligrams at one point and, and I was literally going crazy. And my husband's like, please just stop taking. It's the hormones, the messing with your head. I can just see it. And then, you know, so I, so I crawled over the finish line of perimenopause into menopause. which <laughs> was <just> like, <laughs> it was, it was like an apocalypse for me. Um, but you know, Things had started to get better. Things had started to ease off. Um, my depression had largely gone. My migraines were managed by migraine medication and everything else was manageable. So I felt like by the time I got into menopause, it was manageable. Um, and then speaking to actually the new head of the Canadian Menopause Society, she said, I can't believe that doctors just didn't say to you, come off it because you have hormone sensitivity. Classic, you have classic symptoms of it. My pregnancies were just the worst I was I was one of the ones that was sick from start to um, finish and then when the baby popped out like torpedoes I felt completely back to normal I could never go on any hormone um the pill or any contraception I really struggled with it she was like they're clear signs and you should have been asked about that because there's other treatments and so I felt a bit frustrated by that but then I can talk about that from an experiential standpoint and then and then you know now I'm four years Oh my gosh, four years. I was 40, yeah, four years postmenopause. And, you know, it's like, oh, thank God for that. It feels like so good to be back. You're the same, right? Like, it's like this new lease of life and things aren't always smooth, but 18, 89% of the time it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel, um, I feel really good. I feel, I, I feel great. Like I, um, you know, the, the anxiety for me was like part of was probably the worst part. And that was, I that remember was, that you, you were crippled with anxiety, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got through it, but I just got through it through sheer will of getting through it. Um, I, cause I didn't at that time know that that's what was, that that was a sign, you know, it was, and it can be one of the earliest signs that women experience. So at that time, I mean, I just, I wasn't having hot flashes at that point. I started then having night sweats, but that wasn't unfamiliar to me as an endurance athlete because sometimes during hard training blocks, I would kind of turn into a furnace during the night. So, ah. um, yeah, so it was, it was really hard for me to connect the dots until like some of the clearer signs, you know, your periods, like all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. But it still wasn't until like I started digging in and doing the research for the book and, you know, all the other things I was like, oh, huh. How about that? How about that? 
So yeah, and and then yeah. the two of us, like these these books we've done, and it really is to try and fill like the knowledge gaps. And I think we have two different audiences. I think you you drive more towards the athletic community yeah. who have different needs and and wants type thing, and mine's more general population. Um, but there's definitely a crossover there. Like, uh, uh, and I don't know if people like realize this, but you, Carla, and I are um, Carla. I'm not going to send him. Dijeralamo. <laughs> yeah, you've been practicing your big girly I, yes, swat, your big girly swat. You know, like oh, Dr. Carla. I just call her Dr. Carla. So we we, we will often like ex- exchange conversations and ideas because, like, it's really good to try and fill that knowledge gap and then share that with our community, right? Like, I think that literally is the reason we're here, personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's going to, you know, people are like, well, how long are you going to talk and write about this? I'm like, it's ever evolving, especially now. I mean, there's always something to talk about. There's always research coming out. Uh, and there's always know, more women. It's not like we stop oh, well, menopause. <laughs> that's true, too. It's, it's it's a moving train that people are always getting on and at some point and, you know, hopefully getting off the train at another point. But it it is interesting, you know, um, what do you think? You know, you you you're you're feeling better now. Did are there any things that you can put a finger on or put a pin in that you do feel like made a difference when you were going through all that that really did yield a net positive to how you feel now? Yeah, so I needed medical help, right? There was no doubt about it. I couldn't do it without it. Um uh and so it was um the migraine medication ultimately was what I needed. My depression was something that was really new to me. And, you know, I've had a bit of fit time growing up. Like I've had things that have been really impactful and I'm very British about putting things in a box and moving away from them. So maybe they came back to bite me. Mm. Um, but, you know, there was some things that I really realized that I needed to do. And so, um, and at the time, they didn't feel as impactful as they do retrospectively. Does that make sense? Like, so yeah. I was doing them thinking, ah, this is a waste of time. But really, it was good work for me. Um, and and I think it was more to do with my mind, like how I process things. And because I was already doing the physical, like trying to, and my food was all over the shop, by the way. It wasn't good, but at least I knew how to rein it back in and the exercise so they were there and they were like again like up and down fluctuating but I'd never really spent the time to like look at what does aging look like what does it look like for you to handle your stresses I have family that you know I have a neurodiverse kid that takes up a lot of energy love him to bits and everything but you know it's a different type of parenting and mm-hmm. my cup was so full I was like how do I or like spill some of this coffee out and make myself feel good again and and so I started taking time for myself and it was that simple that was the the key thing to me instead of putting everyone first so it was either getting up for a cup of coffee on my own on the morning going for a walk and I go on holiday on my own I love it like I do things where I literally put myself first and I've never done that and you know what nobody cares in my house nobody ever went look at Matt she's so indulgent and she's so like selfish looking after herself <laughs> they reap the benefits of me like calming down and so the whole I, I wasn't a big person who meditated I wasn't someone who wanted to go to counseling and they're brilliant for women I realized that but maybe it's a cultural thing but I really loved like going for like really slow runs just where I would listen to music and just be in nature and honestly I became the person that looked at birds and go oh there's a I'm yellow-tailed warbler 
I see yellow tailed warbler. And then I have also one of those now. I have a bird app where it's like Shazam for birds. Where do you have that? Where you can oh, it's called Merlin, and you record, and it it picks up all the bird calls and tells you what the birds are around you. I need that. I need that. So and so and so there was a sign when I was doing this in I was living in Texas. This cardinal and his like wife used to come and visit me in the blue jay, and I was like, it's a sign from Canada saying hello to me because I'm I'm talking from Canada. And um, and then I sort of just realized that like nature's freaking brilliant and awesome, and it really helped my mind, you know, like, and it helped me be able to like start to swim. And you know, I taught myself to swim, right? It was another thing that I don't do it as a physical thing because I'm slow and I don't care how fast I am. But it's it, I've never been in my own head. I've never spent time in my own head, <laughs> and I have to slow down and have and I love it. It's quite a nice place to be, it turns out. <laughs> you are really, I mean, you're really on to something there, though. And it, it's so many things. You know, I've done numerous shows on how, you know, stuff from our past comes to roost during the menopause transition for whatever reason. Um, you know, that, that's like there are studies on that, right? That, that women who have unresolved things, issues, trauma, whatever you want to call it, often have a harder menopause experience. And it's hard to tease out exactly what's going on there, but it, you know, the, the, the research is pretty clear on it and, and taking time for yourself and, and communing with nature, which has also been found to be highly therapeutic and the open water swimming that you're doing and the being in nature. I mean, I think you've just like tapped into a really important thing. And the open water swimming was something that, you know, I hadn't, I didn't, hadn't planned to do. My husband's an incredible swimmer, like university captain type swimmer. And I always used to watch him swimming up and down and be super jealous of him, thinking, why can't I do that? And I would always swim like one length and then be exhausted and be puffing and panting and have to do breaststroke in between. And so I eventually caught myself over like a 10-week period so I could swim a mile. And he was super proud of me and bought me a wetsuit when we were in Texas and then took me in a lake. And he's so pale, like he's from Scotland, and he's so pale that he swam next to me, like at half, I think he tied his legs together or something, so he'd be super slow, because <laughs> I'm really slow and he's super fast. And I could see his white body, like, next to me, so it kept me in a straight line. And and then when we moved back to Toronto, we joined, he's a member of um, the Lake Ontario swim team, and I went along and I just was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize it could be so cool. And there's this whole community that I've like found. So as well as having this like meditative like experience when I'm out there, I'm like swimming with like 80 year old women that always have red lipstick on. And doing like two mile laps around the the boys or the buoys. <laughs> and um, and so now like this, it, I, I just feel like. I never thought swimming could do that to me, but now I understand why my husband's like so into it. And and yeah, he's swimming Alcatraz this weekend, by the way, because he's a loony. Wow. That the escape from Alcatraz event? Like, do they still do yeah. that? Where they jump off? Yeah, of... they jump off the rock and then they, and and it's it's only it's only like a mile and a half, which is still significant, but it's choppy and it's cold and he might get eaten by a shark. And I've got life insurance, we're all good. I've checked It'll it all out. Fine. <laughs> it's all fine. Not worrying about it. Wow, that's uh, that is really awesome, and I, I, I didn't know that that open water swimming was so recent for you. I mean, I've seen it on your Instagram, but that's that's very cool. That is that yeah, you two, found that. two two years, yes. Yeah, so I hope I keep it up as well because I see it's a sport 
or an activity for all ages, right? And that's oh, what totally. I think I like about it. Yeah. All ages, fitness levels, shapes, sizes, anything goes. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah, it's a very, very cool community. I, I, I would agree with that. It's uh, swimming is totally an equalizer out there. It's, yeah. Yes, a good way to put it. Totally an equalizer. Yeah. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and otter has taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. So where where are you going now with your you know I mean what what do you what do you want to accomplish in the menopause space for yourself maybe and and going forward and for your audience for the people who follow you Funny I had this um experience where I was um in the UK traveling back to Texas and they wouldn't let me back in the country but well, they wouldn't let one of my kids back in the country so we were stranded in London which isn't a bad thing we had a weekend in London 
And I went out for um, Covent Garden with my husband and we sat and had champagne and oysters and we were like, let's make the most of it type thing. And I sat there and went, I don't know what to do with this. I've been talking about menopause for years now and I've written the book and I'm like stuck. And he was, and he's a Harvard MBA and I never ask him anything, but he was, you know, he's really pragmatic. And he just said, well, you have to just shit or get off the pot. You either have to continue down this with a hundred percent or don't. Like there's no in between. And I was like, you know, that's actually a really good idea because I need to know what I'm doing in this space. I felt a little bit lost. Um, and the two things that stuck with me are that there's there's knowledge, there's not this knowledge gap and the knowledge gap in the workplace was something that I saw and I also had access to. I mean, just because of my colleagues and connections. And a few of them had asked me to do workplace talks. And the first ones I did were with Police Scotland. And now I've been doing those two years and I've got like 40 more under my belt and I've got loads more planned. And and I find that as I go in as a patient advocate for that and an educator, it's well received. I don't tend like you, we know our, our lane and we stay in it. But there's women that I talk to that are just like, thank you for bringing this into a place where I'm really struggling. And workplace executives are going, well, this is great. We we want to support them. We had no idea. Well, of course you had no idea because nobody does. Like there's this knowledge gap, right? And then and then the second part is, um, I mean, I live in Canada and there's just no access to doctors at all. We've got like a two a two year wait list for three menopause clinics in the second largest country in the world. It's mind blowing. And um, doctors aren't trained. They don't know what they don't know. You know, it's the same thing. We can't blame doctors if they don't get training. Um, and so anyway, we um, I'm one of the co-founders of a new company starting up in Canada called Naya Health. Um, and it's really exciting. We have the new head of the Canadian Menopause Society as one of the co-founders. We have an OBGYN menopause specialist. We have our business um, um, consultant who's one of the co-founders. And where it's going to be the first virtual platform for Canada. Access to um, healthcare professionals. And we're actually using nurse practitioners, pharmacists, and registered nurses who can do this work of, and who we have in abundance. We have hardly any doctors. We have an abundance of these. So this is the model we're using. But the, the cool thing and the thing I'm excited about is there's going to be a, it's a full suite solution. So there's going to be like, for menopause so we're going to have strength training and nutrition and mindfulness and we're going to have community and all of the things like integrated because there's no point going to the doctor and him saying yeah you need to start strength training and then being left to flounder we're going to be able to feed and complete that cycle so that launches in October so we're excited it's a lot of work but I'm really excited about it. And and I just think that it's a very simple model and hopefully it's something that can be replicated because women shouldn't have to wait two years just to get help, right? That's madness. Yeah, con- I mean, congratulations on doing that. That's, uh, it, it, that is is 100% filling a need. Uh, there's, yes, and, yeah. and that was my 100%. Like, how can I do this 100%? And, and it was the meeting of minds, really. You know, we all had, I actually wanted to do this for a long time, but didn't get over myself couldn't get in I was getting in my own way I needed someone with a business knowledge how to pull this model together and we have that in, in a quite a brilliant form our CEO is wonderful so yeah so my but mine is still the lifestyle stuff and I love it because I think that it's still underutilized and women think it's too complicated Celine when it doesn't need to be and so just giving them some basic tools to you know 
feel good and and do better you know with their health yeah a hundred percent I mean a lot of times it's funny the the really basic things like I was just thinking about this today like mobility exercise right like when I do the mobility work I feel better and I perform better and I don't have like the little niggles and when I let it go to the side all those things come back it's like when you're doing those little exercises you're like what is this doing for me but like it's right but like there is actually really a point it actually truly does make a difference and you can say that with any of that like your hikes that you take by yourself you swimming like that kind of stuff has such a profound underappreciated impact does I had my cleaner here yesterday and I've only just got a cleaner so I'm quite proud of it I've been 52 years old and it's the first time I've had a cleaner but they so I had the clean around and she was like I've lost like I think 10 kilos or something like that maybe 20 ki- 20 kilos sorry it was 20 kilos and she's Hungarian and she's like just so strong she comes to my house and she's like lifting sofas up and stuff and she's like I just did it with food and I'm like and and she said I've never exercised when you never stop you walk here you're up and down the stairs and you you're like physical and I said and I think people don't appreciate how important movement is I said like you could you and I now we're sat down in our chair sitting we're probably going to sit down a bit longer and do a little bit of work and we might do a workout but the movement in between all of those things is so important and I think that I was one of those people who used to maybe like poo-poo walking a little bit like why walk when you can go for a run and now when I go out for a walk and I see people running I'm like "Eh, eh, you need to walk more as well like I just think just like enjoying movement in life and just um that's underrated and and underutilized so even just like pushing like a daily walking challenge for women and just saying hey have you thought about doing 50 minute walk today Yeah, yeah it works it does work it does work I wanted to circle back uh, to get more thoughts on because I I think the workplace issue is really interesting but when I when I pull on that thread a little bit I have I have just a little bit of concern that it's going to be somehow weaponized against women you know I worry um and I I, I want to get your thoughts on that like yes you know what I'm saying like it's going to be another oh. reason like oh these pain in the ass women now they you know they get pregnant now they have menopause that they want special treatment for like how do we frame this properly oh this is something I spent a lot of time thinking about and so you know initially buy-in to do these talks from senior female executives was the hardest and I get it right so when I'm talking about corporations I've gone down to like charitable organizations to big high corporations like there's a different level but when you've got a senior uh, female leadership there it's like how do I how do I present this in a way that doesn't diminish the fact we've spent decades and decades getting to the top of our game how do I go into a workplace and say menopause is a natural phenomena for most women and we'll all go through it if we like live long enough, but it can be challenging. How can I talk about that without then saying, and so you've got to do this, 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 and this to help her. And so the how I presented this really mattered and it had to be super respectful. And so how I do it, and I think that this, well, I know that this works because feedback is typically good, is that I sort of talk about this as being part of the female reproductive phase and that it can be challenging for a lot of women. We know the stats like 75% with symptoms, 25 with like extreme symptoms. And and without having the support in the workplace, there is a, a financial burden on the 
on the economy, it's like 150 billion globally from menopausal women, like losing time off work to go to appointments, um, to stay at home, lack of productivity, et cetera, et cetera. We have like uh, numbers we can put to it. Um, but how can how can the workplace support her, support her through this time so that they retain this elite workforce? Um, and it's it's received really well because I'm not saying you're less of a person because you're going through this. I'm saying, guess what? We know the brain changes shape and it can impact you on a neurological level. And we know it rebounds in postmenopause. So this transitionary phase can be challenging. Are you supposed to just leave work? It would be really embarrassing if like for a company, if they couldn't have a valid workplace talk because it's about the M word. It's just ridiculous. So I go in there and fill that knowledge gap and then just say to them, if you want to change your blueprint and support your um, female workplace um, employees who are literally going to like make or break our company because these are elite, elite women, then you need to like have compassionate conversation, maybe have a uniform change. Like, please, they change from polyester shirts to like moisture wicking shirts. That wasn't difficult or expensive for them, apparently. Um cooler rooms, quieter rooms, work from home. None of these are big asks. And what they're doing is they're completely transforming how the workplace manages menopausal women who have symptoms that need to be like supported. And when you do this, you create a gender inclusive workplace. You stop the stupid ageism that exists within the workplace as well. And you know what's really good about it, Celine, is when you talk about it in those ways, guys who come to because I make sure that the men come to these talks as well they're like the first to ask questions I never knew I had no idea and so those that might have been like flippant or didn't, did crude jokes and things like that that seems to stop because they're like I had no idea my wife's been going through this it makes so much more sense now and so yeah so it's actually I think how how we talk about it matters we're not asking for a lot we're just asking to be heard we're not talking about this in a deficiency disordered or d disease type model we're just saying that you know it can be hard and why would you want anyone to struggle in your workplace if you've got this culture of support right so yeah it seems to be working yeah i love that that's a that's a very very elo eloquent way to address what what can be in my mind um and what i think what you were experiencing in the beginning where women like i don't know about this like a potential minefield where we've all like we've we've come up against so much discrimination historically the fear is we don't want another reason for people to discriminate right exactly and you know i know in the uk that they're way ahead of the cycle with menopause in the workplace yeah. box but i've done them in the workplace where they've already had people in and it left women feeling worse than before. And I think that you're doing women a disservice. If, if you go into that like presentation or educational um, platform and women feel terrible, and it's usually because of the disease deficient, um, di di excuse me, the disease narrative, like in, if you don't take HRT, you're going to get Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, insulin resistant, all these things. And I'm like, no, that's true. That's not fucking true. Stop it. Our risk increases, but does that mean it's inevitable? Does that mean there's nothing we can do about it? We've got to stop talking like that because I know that like it hurts the conversation and it hurts women. And so I think just being honest and talking about what we know to be true 
is much is received in a much better way because then women feel respected and they're like okay i get it and it may happen to me it may not and now i know what to do if it does right right and there's a lot of tools at your disposal there's a lot of tools i don't think bob like an accountant needs to know that you've got a dry vagina like i'm not going <laughs> in and saying that you know <laughs> But Fair. Bob needs to know that he's, if he's eating peanuts next to you, that he might get a pencil in his eyeball, you know, like you can add humor to it as well. And I do think that like underlying like some of these talk pl- talks in the workplace with a tiny bit of humor as well actually makes it transfer over well. And, you know, I can do that quite easily. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that is really that is that is very exciting. Um, And I'm glad that you have found you know, what, what your next pathway is because. what And what about you? Still, Can I ask you what's going on? What, what's your I'm still good. Pathway? I'm still like, I'm, I'm still enjoying the path that I'm on and, and still discovering, you know, ways to communicate this to people who are not hearing it, still pushing back on a lot of narratives, you know, trying to, trying to do that space. I'm still in a good, a good place with it. I always have my ear to the ground, you know, to, to see what needs to be covered next, but. One of the things, one of the things that I think is the next thing, and maybe for you as well, is that what you said. How do we get to all of the women? How do we get to the ones that really need us, and we don't get to? I know with Naya, we're creating a health equity fund because we have to pay our nurses, right? So it's a fee base, even though they can claim it on their insurance. Not everyone's going to have access to our offerings, and that is something that really bothers us as a mm-hmm. company and it's not we're not just playing lip service to it and it's but it's that how do we get to like the women in the women's shelters or the indigenous population or any like under the poverty line like how do we help those people so we're creating a health equity fund for that and there's a lot of free tools and not like assessments and knowledge base and stuff that they can use but even outside of that like it bothers me I'm like how how do we get to the women that aren't on the internet don't listen to podcasts how do we do that like how is there an outreach there I'd like I'd like some movement in that respect that would be good yeah no I hear you I think I think as it you know pushes into the greater mainstream that will naturally happen what I don't think will naturally happen that I think about a lot too and is along what you're saying is that if you have some means you can make your menopause transition if it is rough easier but for women without means and it is a harder row to hoe and that does um i mean you can say that about much of life but that does that does bother me and i do think about that i do think about that quite a bit um Oh, well, me and you'll me and you'll fix that. We'll, oh, we'll fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, once we get off this, I'll just I'll just drop something. But, but and... actually, I mean, seriously, I think this is where we we're now into the realms of policy mm-hmm. and stuff, right? We're and 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 that has to be the next natural step. And I'm there for it too. You know, I don't know how it looks, but you know, we need to we need to get this from the top down, and that's where they're not listening. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I, I think that 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 happens, too, in the same way that, that menopause got into this mainstream space to begin with. I mean, it didn't just happen because everybody got enlightened. It happened because a large critical mass of women hit the transition and the in, you know, the first women to enter the workforce and women from Title IX and women in all these positions, they just came of age, so to speak. Right. 
and they had this exactly power that. and these platforms. And I suspect, because I think about this a lot too. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of the fear still around menopause, and a lot of the we're 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 kind of getting back into that forever young space. Like we're the real fear is aging in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of, a lot of the stigma and the taboo and the silence has been around not just menopause, but the fact that menopause means you're getting older and nobody likes getting older because we have so much ageism. And that is such a huge wall that needs to fall. And I think that, again, you're looking at this giant critical mass of people planetarily, honestly, you know, pushing that wall down too. And that's kind of exciting to me. That's exciting. That's the work I had to do personally. You know, my body's gone through a massive change. Am I okay with that? Like, how does that look for me? How am I going to have the conversation with myself where it's acceptable if I ever like a bit more um, like fat around my belly that was never there, that I have more wrinkles and I've got gray hair. Like, how does that look? What What am I, how do I want this to look like as an outward? I have two boys though that call me on it. I love it. Because the other day I went, oh my God, how can some gray hair? And they were like, you're 52? She went, what do you expect? And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, okay. I'm not going to keep the gray hair, though. I literally have got my line and the gray hair is what I can't do. I mean, I don't have enough. I mean, but like, I just think I'm, I'm okay with, like, but I had to do the work. You know, I'm being serious now. I had to do the work where I was like, um, it really matters to me that I, I walk the walk, you know, that I'm, t- I'm talking to all these women and I truly believe that this is an empowering time in our lives, Celine, and that this is just the beginning. I feel so different in my 50s and it feels fucking good. Amen to that. I feel the exact same way. And I think that that is the message that I try to push out. And I'm, I like having allies in that, in that mission because, because we're seeing the same predatory bullshit that we have come up with just being like shoveled down on us in spades about, you know, fear of like fear of the belly and fear of this and fear of that. And like, I feel and see all this pain in my, you know, like the community and Facebook and people like they're devastated and, and large corporations see that and they, they will prey on you. And, the only the only change comes from within it has to come within and we are all like you the bodies change your face is changing your hair is going to change what is inside can also change in such a positive way and that transcends all of that and that's not just words falling out of my face like I really actually believe that and feel it inside yeah what you said I agree you said it better than me I like that no (laughs) anyway um, is there anything we haven't talked about that you would like to leave our audience with as far as any of the topics that we have discussed or where what you want them to think about as they navigate this really important transition in their lives? Um, you know, the the only thing I would say is, you know, like I was at an event recently in uh, New York and it was like um like a support another menopause event essentially. And I, I I said this to the women there, like, we don't need events like this to raise awareness about menopause. Yeah, they're all good and fine and dandy, and I get to put on a fancy dress and stuff, but, like, 
we don't you, and you don't need a massive platform to be able to make a difference either and so all i would say is that the the years that i spent in isolation and silence because i didn't know what was going on and i felt like nobody else was going through it no woman should feel like that and they do still so if you're going through that speak to your partner speak to your children speak to a friend because it ripples and it makes a difference right and i think that we're the generation that like you said that are here for this and we're going to make it we're going to make this happen and so you can do that without having a hundred thousand followers you you speak to one person she speaks to two it's how it happens and so don't be quiet about it speak up you'll be very surprised how it's received i think one of the reasons we, we never spoke about menopause is we were embarrassed we thought it would be shameful and actually it's not people receive it really well and so I think that that's, that's my only advice. Just keep the conversation going and watch it snowball. I think that's excellent advice. And it, it makes me think, you know, it's funny. I've been, when Carla and I went to the North American Menopause Society, now the Menopause Society uh, conference last year in Atlanta, you know, we'd go to like the hotel bar, or we'd go somewhere afterwards and just talk through the day. And inevitably, like a woman next to us or even our server at, one, at breakfast one morning would hear us say the word and would literally tell us their story. Like, because they didn't have anyone to share it with. And I was like, this is crazy. Like this woman with her husband, she's just like, I couldn't help but to hear that you guys were talking about menopause and I have really been going through it and blah, blah, blah. And he was really interested too. And it was that. really, really moving. And the same thing with like literally the woman, like she was, you know, topping off her coffee and heard the conversation. She's like, I just am sweating. Like she's just telling us like she had never told anybody. Right. And I thought, this is it. Yeah. Like this is what yeah, it's actually it. about. You know, I'm, I am, I've been accepted to do a TEDx, right? So I'm Ooh. excited about that. Yeah. That's in October. And my, I'm going to talk about, should men talk about menopause? That's going to be the title because it's that whole thing. They want to be part of the conversation and we need those allies. And um, so, yeah, the, that conversation you had with the woman at the bar doesn't surprise me at all. Because he's probably been like, I just, all I want is for her to be happy, healthy. And, and what can I do? You know? Oh, I love that. Well, thank you for coming back post-menopocalypse, Amanda, and uh, keep fighting the good fight. I know you Same will. Same with you. Oh, yeah, I will. With <laughs> you. Thank you, Celine. Good to see you again. Well, that's our show. Come on back next week when I sit down with the medical director of the Menopause Society and author of The New Rules of Menopause, Dr. Stephanie Fabian. We talk all about those rules and what you need to know. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager, the show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty.